Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. Get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Divorce and Beyond. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. So in these billionaire divorces where they have the luxury of the finances on the side, are we talking about the quality of their lives? Do they need to do something that they're not feeling fulfilled about doing at the moment? Now, gray divorce is not the same across demographics. It hits a lot of older couples much harder. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I am Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I have one of my friends with me. I'm so happy to have Lily Vasilev with me. She is, you've heard her before on the podcast, but it's been a long time, Lily. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, Lily is a nationally recognized expert, practitioner, speaker, writer, and author of three books about money and your divorce. And in fact, one of her books is called Money and Divorce, um, The Essential Roadmap to Mastering Financial Decisions. And I want to tell you all, Lily sent me that book. Gosh, Lily, it's it's years ago now. And I've had it on um, my bookshelf in my office since then. And it is my go-to book for anything about finance. It is such a truly well-done book. It's in the background for those of you who are <laughs> watching the video. But I just want to, I want to say, you know, my, uh, it's so well done. Because it's it parses out the information in a very conversational tone. You're not talking at people about what can be complicated financial stuff up here, and you've really put it in. You've put in everything that people need to know. So bravo to you on that. I know Thank that's you. through the ABA. Thank you. Um, which is just another stamp of approval. When the AVA puts out a book, you know it's well done. Uh, but you have two other books um, that are also out, The Ultimate Divorce Organizer, which is your complete interactive guide to achieving the best legal, financial, and personal divorce, and The Divorce Planner Checklist. So you've got people covered in the divorce finance arena. I sure do, and I hope so. <laughs> 
Yes. Well, no, and you are the go-to person. In fact, just so my listeners know, they know that I practiced in Connecticut and New York for a number of years. In fact, like forever, 26 or seven years. Lily is pretty much, I mean, the the finance guru in the area there. And I just remember meeting you oh so long ago and thinking, this is a woman who knows what she's talking about. And uh, everything you've ever said or done since I've known you has just borne that out. So I'm thrilled to have you, Lily. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for the enormous welcome. I am truly grateful. Well, we have been trying to connect this episode uh, for a couple of months. And then in the interim from when we booked the taping and today as we're taping, there's been another big divorce that hit the news. Um, The uh, Gates divorce, Bill and Melinda Gates just announced in the past week that they're getting divorced. This obviously follows on the heels of the other billion, billion, billion dollar divorce, the Bezos divorce um, from last year. And it was interesting because you sent me an email and said, let's, you know, is there something that we can talk about here? And, you know, there's two aspects, I think, to these divorces. There's the fascination we have with billionaires getting divorced. And you've dealt, you've been, you've been on the financial advisor on billion dollar divorces. I've been counsel on billion dollar divorces. So there's a lot to that as well. But then what I really thought was interesting is that it kind of highlights what's been a trend toward gray divorce. And in fact, when I looked up the stats today, it looks like gray divorce is only becoming more and more common. Um, and, and, you know, first off, I know this is a, a topic that you're particularly expert on. So I, I'd love to unpack. Yes, certainly we'll talk about the billionaires because they're interesting yeah. and it, there's always tidbits about that. But also just this, this, it is a different world when you get divorced later in life, isn't it? It's a much different world, and there's so many different, unique challenges in late-life divorce that pivot around the fact that, number one, you're getting a divorce, and you're correct. The statistics bear out that the divorce rate for late-life divorce over 50 has nearly doubled in the last decade, which is completely different than the stagnant divorce rate for the rest of the U.S. population. So what's going on is always the question. Why why people are getting divorced? And it's usually in first-time marriages that are long-term, like more than 25 years. So what's the spark? Where's the trigger in, in these um, years that produces the need to change? And I think it's a couple of things. You're not only ready, perhaps, to realize that you have a longer life than you probably ever expected, that your home and your children and your finances are probably going to be the best they are because you're in the later years of peak earning capacity and you've accumulated the wealth that more likely than not you will have accumulated. And it's that need perhaps to really readdress the quality of the life, right? So in these billionaire divorces where they have the luxury of the finances on the side, Are we talking about the quality of their lives? Do they need to do something that they're not feeling fulfilled about doing at the moment? Now, gray divorce is not the same across demographics. It hits a lot of older couples much harder than others. And I think what it brings to the the forefront, as I mentioned, like the pivotal point, is that not only do you go through this transition in your own marriage and your life 
and your relationship with adult children or just about to be adult children. You're also on the transition of retirement. And what does that mean? Are you pushing out the retirement years? Are you forced into early retirement when you really don't want to be retired? Are you looking at changes that occur across a multiple spectrum, so to speak, of your life, right? You have the psychology of being maybe retired, unemployed, maybe part-time employed, maybe a homemaker who's forced to go back to work for medical benefits. All of that comes into play. And it really highlights a lot of the missteps and the mistakes made during the marriage on the financial planning side. So it all hits the fan when you go through the divorce process because it all is exposed. It's all put out on the table. And now you're called upon to make all these decisions just when you're in a world, right? So great divorce happens the best when people have planned, when they have prepared, when they are ready for change, not just from a marriage, but change for a new roadmap of their life. It happens the worst for people who are caught completely unaware. Uh, They've never anticipated a problem in their marriage, and they've been totally dependent. Those individuals have a very difficult time coming up to speed to even address the fact that they may or may not have a choice of getting divorced. And that's really hard. And those individuals require a lot of time and support and, and enough leeway that they can digest what's happening to them before they're called upon to make decisions. So I know you and I love the process of where we guide clients on their own timetable without that risk of being coerced to making decisions. And that's huge. In fact, the number one regret by most women is that they felt rushed into making a decision before they felt ready to decide. And that's, that's a tragedy, I think. Oh, it is. And, and it's the one thing that people will then come back you know, after the divorce, after they've unfortunately had time to digest and think about things, and there's no do-overs in divorce. There are no do-overs. That is the point. That is exactly right. And I don't know if a lot of people realize that, but when they get a little bit knee-deep into the water of divorce, depending on whatever process they choose, it really hits them like a ton of bricks, that they are in there to make decisions that will have a very long-lasting impact on their future lives, maybe even on their children's lives. And that's why it's hard to really color gray divorce, and I'm using those words carefully, with the same paintbrush across all of the individuals that go through it. Because every divorce is unique, and it also impacts people very differently, depending on your state of readiness for that transition. But coming back to the risks, the risks, obviously... If you're in late life divorce, you have a very short window to either generate greater earnings or to replenish your savings or to even catch up in terms of saving for retirement because of your age, because of the opportunities out there. And, you know, the pandemic has not been kind to a lot of older folks. And that has not helped women in particular, who I'm sure you know, and I know, have been hit the hardest by this pandemic. And it's driven the poverty rates of women going through this kind of a divorce really through the roof. And it's a very scary time. 
So the situation of gray divorce is important to recognize on a number of different fronts. One is really to prioritize what your needs are and to know what they are. Two is to make sure that there's a way to rebuild either your cash flow or your wealth. And three is to make sure that you prioritize your own well-being rather than supporting adult children who may not be contributing to a household or doing crazy investments or, you know, doing anything that has a high risk to it and a very low return. That, that is an unfortunate um, paradigm that I hear have heard over and over again from older clients, people who are going through life, who have adult children. We are talking about kids who are out of college, who have moved out into an adult world, but mom and dad are still paying their rent, and mom and dad are still supplying the health insurance, and mom and dad pay for the cars. And I've had many clients who, when faced with a reduced financial circumstance due to divorce, you know, when you take one financial pot and divide it into two pots, there's usually less to go around. And and I will say, I'll I'll generalize a little bit. It's usually my female clients Mm -hmm. um, who feel they still need to budget for supporting their adult children. Um, And that is one thing that for for gray divorce, I think is a very significant factor. It's a very significant, not only is that a factor, but the factor of what they deem to be fairness among their adult children, right? Should I had a client, they were going through divorce and I was helping them and one spouse was absolutely adamant after dividing the pot in two, that that was her only touchstone for retirement. That was her pot and and really that had to last for the rest of her life, you know. The husband had put through four kids in college and he wanted to use their pot for retirement for putting the last child through college because that was the fair thing to do. And it was fascinating on how we worked through the options to get both goals accomplished. But the philosophy of what's most important is probably one of the, you know, the touchstones in a marriage that doesn't get discussed often enough And certainly when you're planning on transitions, whether you're going into retirement, whether you're going through a divorce, whether a person's disabled, whether a person's widowed, that really hits very hard. And whether you've planned well or you've planned poorly, it becomes exposed. And that's um, a very short time frame in a divorce process to cover that ground and to make sure that both individuals understand it and know what to do with it. Right. And that's, you know, that's a critical factor. And I think it's one of the reasons this fact that we, if we divorce at later in life, over 50, over 60, um, we are, you are much closer in time to that period where you are thinking divorce is going to happen. You are therefore taking what you have saved as a couple as a united team, and you now need to divide that. But you may have been planning your whole married life that that pot was going to sustain one household with two people in it. And now you have to divide that pot in half, and it has to sustain two households. And soon, because you may be very near that retirement age, that that becomes much more of an emergency feeling or an imminent feeling than when you get divorced in your 30s. I don't think anyone's happy to know that they're cutting their retirement in half just on the cusp of retirement, right? And and right. the other side to that, which I find 
unfortunate but true. How many more working years are there in in, in order to pay spousal support? Because right. what is based on earned income, right? For the most part. And so you have a long-term marriage and most people go, well, I have a long-term marriage. Don't I get lifetime alimony? Don't I have 25 years of support? And the answer is, well, if you're 62, God bless you if you've got four years left of support. And that is the whole next challenge of how do you squeeze assets to replace earned income with cash flow? And that's and you're dividing those assets. Right. And and so that's that's actually what I love. That's my sweet spot. I love the strategy piece of this of trying to figure it out. And there's a number of unique ways to do it that are only available during a divorce process, not after divorce. So you need to be very, very aware of taking the opportunity during divorce to look through financial strategies and planning. Well, I want to touch on those. So I first want to explain for some of my listeners who may not understand what we were just talking about with spousal support being an income based on income, earned income. So it is true that on a long-term marriage, if your spouse were to go on and have earned income up until the age of 100, then you might be receiving spousal supports based upon their earned income to 100. But when you divorce someone who is near to retirement, the law does not require that person to continue working at the level they were working at prior to retirement age just to pay you support. So you may get an order that says lifetime alimony, but it's based on what they're earning. And if they retire and their earning income, you know, their income goes down to practically nothing or much less, that's what your spousal support is going to be based upon. And so let's talk about though, because you just said something that I think perked up a bunch of ears. <laughs> so you talked about four possible um, sources or, or strategies that you can go and look at during divorce. Mm-hmm. So can we, t- can we talk about those? Okay, great. I, um, so the first one is most important is to understand what are your key assets that will be generating income in the future? And those are the golden assets, right? Those are any deferred compensation benefits. They are pensions and they could be 401ks rolled into IRAs and then you take distributions. But with certain ERISA qualified plans, you have an opportunity to make different elections, to take a lump sum payout, to take a lifetime distribution, to take a distribution with survivor benefits, to know whether or not there are predecessor plans that should be added to the current plan if you are dividing them. Because having gone through this with a lot of CEOs and executives, you have to be extraordinarily careful what you pinpoint to be divided in legal orders. And I read lots of plan documents (laughs) just to make sure that we've got all the bases covered. And then I will do the extra lap of talking to legal departments at these companies to make sure we've captured everything. Um, That's the first part. The second part is to know the tax implications of when you do those elections. Will you get hit all on taxes in the first year? Will they be spread out? Can you manage your tax position with having other offsets? For example, if you have any tax loss carry forwards from private equity investments, from uh, sales of businesses, 
anything along those lines that can be divided and allocated for when you get the lump sum coming into your lap to offset the taxes on it, go for it. Those are often so overlooked. Um, the other one is to make sure if you can get cash out of certain plans, like a 401k, that you do it with the divorce itself and not afterwards where you get hit by not only the taxes, but also the penalties of pulling out funds. And I think the third one is really, if you're looking at certain kinds of annuities or insurances or long-term care policies, that you make sure, because health is always a concern, always a concern, that you make sure that they're either divisible, transferable in ownership, or that you could reopen a new policy at no, at, I would say, at a minimal cost and have the same terms because you want the comparable terms. And so those are key assets that you really need to grab for and make sure that you understand them so that you can divide them to your benefit. So I'm so happy that you highlighted all of those because as a divorce attorney for so long, I have seen mistakes and I know you have mm -hmm. mistakes made in divorce on all of those issues, yes. uh, pensions overlooked, elections made incorrectly. And just as we said earlier, yeah. there are no do-overs. You that can't correct. correct these mistakes or say, I didn't understand yep. after the divorce. So I think it's critical. And, and one of the points that, and one of the reasons why you know so much about this is this is exactly what you do for people when a financial advisor is brought in during the divorce to help with the planning of how this all can work. I think in a, in a divorce, certainly in a high net worth or ultra high net worth divorce, it's always going to be important to have a financial advisor and, and many divorces. But if you are going into a divorce near to retirement age, I don't know how you do it without consulting with a financial advisor. Hello, listeners. It's Susan, and I'm here to check in with you and say thank you to everyone who has joined us in the Divorce and Beyond members-only community. I hope you're enjoying all of the benefits of membership, things like the downloadable forms and checklists, the archive of episodes with all of the ads removed, the private and exclusive episodes that I record for you every month, the chance to ask me anything in the Ask Susan Anything forum, and so much more. If you aren't a member yet, it's only $10 a month, and you can sign up on the website at www.divorceandbeyondpod.com. So I hope to see you in the members-only community soon. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, America's leading divorce financial expert, Lily Vasiliff, walking you through the money issues in gray divorce. I think the number one fear of most women going through divorce, even when they have billions of dollars, is money. You know, what am I going to do? And the facts are so staggering that I, I think the Pew Research Group said that there are literally like 62% of older women rely solely on Social Security. If you are enjoying this episode, check out how getting organized can help you and your kids deal with divorce with the founder of Divorce Rx, Michelle Saro. These are uncharted waters for, I would say, 99% of the people um, who, are, who are showing up here. So I wanted to be able to um, help people.
and show them, you know, um, there's an easier way to do this. And let's get out in front of all of these logistics instead of having them sort of fall behind you as you're finding your way in the dark. And now we return to today's show. It doesn't matter what your wealth is. What you're trying to do is maximize your resources, right? And minimize taxes. And so often, you know, people with very few resources may need us even more because you need to pull a rabbit out of the hat. You need to find out, oh my God, what are we going to do when we cross that finish line and have a roadmap for it? I think the number one fear of most women going through divorce, even when they have billions of dollars, is money. You know, what am I going to do? And the facts are so staggering that I I think the Pew Research Group said that there are literally like 62% of older women rely solely on Social Security. Do you know what the maximum amount of Social Security is? It's around $45,000. And that's at a full record. I'm presuming most of these women are benefiting from their ex-husband or deceased husband's Social Security, which is 50%. So, you know, this is the time, I hate to say it, people, this is the time you need to learn as much as you can, find a professional who will provide that support to you during this process, and then become responsible and accountable for your own well-being, because you need to grasp this information, and you need to feel as if you've fully participated in those decisions, especially at this stage of life. Because you have a longer life. Women will have a longer life than men on average as a life expectancy. And at some point, most women will be alone. And so you are responsible for yourself. And in fact, the majority of the wealth that's transferring from generations is going to go to women anyway in the next couple of decades. That's what it says. So it's so interesting to me how there's a really um, barbell effect of women who completely take this on and women who completely abdicate it. And these are the women I'm worried about. It doesn't matter what your wealth is. It doesn't. It's it's maybe more ostensibly dire if you have few assets or lower income, but in both situations, you said a word earlier that that really jumped out at me uh, because it's the word that divorce attorneys call the F word, which is not the typical F word, it's fair. We call fair the F word because I hear from people all of the time, and and it's very often women saying it when I say, you know, as your attorney, tell me what it is that you want. And they will say, I just want what's fair. Well, as you pointed out very correctly, what one person thinks is fair may be very different from what another person thinks is fair. But the most important thing that I think comes from what you've been saying here is it's fair can be a range it's your responsibility to figure out what's best and fair for you. Yes. You have to to understand your finances well enough as you go through the divorce to make take options, make choices, negotiate agreements that are going to give you the best ability to go forward. And that means educate yourself and that means get someone to help you. Absolutely. I I think what actually drove me into this business was the fact that when I went through my own divorce many, 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 many years ago, and I remember being told what to do. Now, I was in finance. I was like a high flyer in international finance. And here was an attorney 
telling me what I should be doing, making my choices for me, at no insult to attorneys, this was what happened to me, and thinking I could be doing so much better. And, and when I went to support groups and I talked with other women, they all had the same experience of being told what to do. Take my advice. I know what's better for you. And I, I, I found that so unacceptable. I'm like, how, how would you let someone else decide what's in your interest? They know nothing about you except what they see in your office, right? It's like going to court, how we always counsel our clients. You don't want to have your case decided in court by a judge who reads your paper for three minutes beforehand and then gives you an edict that lasts forever. It, right. You want to have a say in it. And so if this is your moment and your opportunity to come up to speed on what's happened in the past on your finances and what you need to do now to prepare for your future and get a roadmap to what happens next, then you have to do it. And that's, yeah. that's the tough story. And that's really a tough story. But there is, there really is no choice. Uh, I mean, the choice is, there is a choice. There's the choice to abdicate decision-making, as you were just describing. Let your spouse offer you something that they think is fair and you take that or listen to your attorney and trust that your attorney understands all the nuances of your life as you go forward. I mean, we're, we're human as well, and this is not our life. I've always said that to clients. You know, when it comes down to the substantive decisions in a divorce, those are yours because it's your life. You're going to go live this. Um, one other thing that you mentioned that I think, and, and this will ring true for so many women, I think, out there, especially now in COVID, more of the female workforce has been driven out of the workplace during COVID. We've been, you know, having to leave jobs to be the caretakers, to take care of schooling. It's just disproportionately affected women financially. Um, when you are going through a divorce later in life and you have not worked in years, yes. you are suddenly faced with perhaps that that concept of how do you even go out and get a job when you have not earned in years? Um, but unfortunately, that's a reality as well. And many times it's not solely for income, but for healthcare benefits. And when there's a gap in ages and you don't qualify or, or you're not eligible, let me restate that, you're not eligible for Medicare and there's a gap coming off of healthcare, if you had it to begin with, right. your husband's, let's say husband's, um, company, it, it, this, this drives a lot of women into those menial jobs and working long, long hours just to even qualify for the health insurance coverage. And it's, um, it's not kind. I mean, Secretary Yellen just the other day said literally that women have been set back in the workplace to the 1980s. I mean, I don't know what could be more depressing than that. No, well, the, you know, the, the answer is whatever's fair, don't get fair, get even, <laughs> like get out there and get your share. I mean, it's not kind to late life homemakers trying to get back into the marketplace, which makes your choice or your cherry picking of assets even more critical and how you frame that support. Yeah, and taking into consideration that need for health insurance, which so, some people just sort of treat that as, oh, it's just going to be taken care of, or isn't he gonna, going to continue to supply it for me? Um, and, and one thing to point out about going back out 
to to work to get those benefits. It's not a part time job that comes with um, with health insurance benefits. You're going to go back and have to find a fairly high level full time position to get. medical benefits. And many people aren't qualified for that type of employment when they haven't been in the workplace for years. So it's a very difficult conundrum for many people. And and I shouldn't just hone in on women because we have both sexes or both, you know, uh, it goes both ways. One thing I want to talk about, and I'll, I want to mention to listeners now, Lily is going to do a special uh, members-only podcast on the issues of financial abuse and financial infidelity. But So we'll have a whole separate private podcast for the members-only coming out. But I do want to talk about that here because you mentioned this earlier when you were, you were talking about later in life divorce. Very often, the poor planning, poor choices or uh, I, I hate to say it, but infidelity, the financial infidelity comes to light yes. at this point in time in yes. people's marriages. And and there's no do-overs on that either in some cases, right? Yeah, they're very sad stories because there's no hiding it, number one. There's no do-over. You can't get it back. It's gone. And along with the sense of getting a divorce comes all of the other emotions surrounding the surprise, the aha moment of, oh my God, you spent our 401k. Oh my God, you gambled X. And just imagine a bomb going off on the divorce negotiating table when that comes to light in front of everybody, in front of all the professionals, in front of the one that you used to love the most, right? So it's it's one of those moments that I find um, the most difficult to navigate for the clients. It takes time for them to heal from that. It takes time for them to be able to refocus on how they're going to get through it. Um, and it really depends, I have to say, and my hat goes off to them, on the strength of their personality, knowing that they both need to come out of it better and not to continue the blame game, the blame, the shame, the hurt, et cetera. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's not easy. And I have also worked with couples who may or may not really want to get a divorce, but that has happened. The event has happened. It's been exposed. Both spouses are now aware of it. And there's redress. You could, and, and often I will, work with them, and even write post-nuptial agreements that address how this can be fixed and what will happen if they do get a divorce as the remedy for the event so that there's a penalty at the end of the tunnel so it doesn't happen again, right? Right. Well, that's actually a very significant point. So for for couples, because the bomb going off of adultery and the bomb going off of financial infidelity, I will tell you as someone who has seen both bombs go off in people's lives, they're pretty equal. They're pretty, you know, and, yeah. and and the one that has the longer lasting implications for your joint lives, whether they be together or apart, is the financial yeah, one. Without question. Without question. It, I, it can be devastating. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I have a great story of, you know, where this guy got dressed for two full years, going to the office every single day. They had leased Cadillacs. They had, you know, beautiful homes. They went down to uh, Florida to go sail fishing. They came back with a nine foot stump marlin, whatever. And the wife was puzzled because she couldn't make her, her checkbook, whatever thing. And it turned out the guy had lost his job two years ago. 
he had decimated all of their assets. They were going to repossess the cars in one week, which is why he finally, finally called and said, we need help. And then they snuck out of their house, I kid you not, during the middle of the night to move to a different town. How, how unbelievable is that? I mean, that's about as black as white as you could get, right? It was really, really sad. And um, people need help. And it's not just related to divorce, but especially in divorce, because that is a legal process and it will define what the outcome is. Right. And, and the other point is it's hard for those situations to even happen if both parties are on top of the financial situation in the household. It is very hard to finagle the finances. I mean, you have to go to a different level of deception if both people are looking at the accounts and staying on top of things. So we, as I mentioned, Lily is going to do a special episode and we're going to talk just about financial infidelity and financial abuse, which is another paradigm. Um, But I do think it's important that people understand that a financial abuse incident in a marriage or is even more devastating when you find yourselves at 50, 60 years of age getting a divorce and that 401k isn't nice and plump like you thought it was. Or I had, you mentioned the gentleman who went to work for two years. I had a guy who did it for about a year and a half and went and sat at Starbucks all day in his suit because he needed somewhere to go. Um, And the wife found out because a friend saw him at Starbucks. And he had said he was in the city at the at the office. So it all came crumbling down really at that sad. point. It's really sad. And it's really sad it because is. it's a burden on both. It's a huge burden on both. And the idea of reaching out for help is so important. And there's so many resources there that that are available to people like that. But again, we're you know, we're talking about a divorce arena. Sometimes people are super prepared, and this is a de facto. Let's just get it done and close it out. We've been apart for a couple of years. We've got all our finances in order. You know, everything's been arranged. We're very calm and rational about what this process is. To the opposite side of where you have people who just are desperate, paralyzed with fear. And, you know, if I had a wish list, I would wish that everybody had financial literacy lessons early in life and through every single year of, you know, primary school and secondary school and college, et cetera, because people are coming out so uneducated and it makes that taboo about talking about money even more critical because it's uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? You shouldn't be uncomfortable, right? And as you were saying, if people communicated well, we wouldn't be seeing so many divorces, number one. But I think that's a big issue. So financial literacy and holding yourself accountable for knowing what's in your own life is really my my sort of lesson of the day, my mantra, you know, be responsible for yourself. You can do it together with your spouse, but be responsible and do it in a good place and do it in a good time and, and act as a team, not as, you know, two people going at it. Well, the best case scenario, whether you're getting divorced early or you're getting divorced late in life is to sit down, get help, understanding how, what you have 
And and that goes beyond just the the well. We have a four hundred one k with a hundred thousand dollars in it. There's there's more to know about that four hundred one k. There's more to know about that pension, as Lily pointed out. Really having that true deep understanding, and then making decisions that will maximize for both of you the outcome is really the way to go. So, Lily, if people wanted to reach out to you to work with you, I, I want to point out people. Lily is can work with people across the country. Yes. Um, she's it's not just limited. You're in New York and Connecticut, but you can work with people anywhere. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, you can email me, lily at wealthprotectionmanagement.com. And you can call me at 203-622-4911. And thank you. Thank you for saying that, Susan. So yes, I work with clients and professionals across the country. And I'm usually called in on the cases that are more complicated finances because it requires a lot more diligence. And yeah, well, you just did a case with uh, our friend Gabrielle Hartley, who was just on the show, yes. and she was just thrilled. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, and your books, um, best place to get your books? Uh, Amazon or the APA, like but Amazon. <laughs> yeah, I'll link to the books and I'll link to Lily's website and put her phone number in the show notes. And uh, for those of you who want to hear the episode um, on financial infidelity and financial abuse, join the Members Only Club and you'll be able to get that. That's only $10 a month. So Lily, thank you so much My for friend. coming. It's just, you're always such a wealth of information. So I appreciate it very much. And I am privileged and honored to be here. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.